Good morning, Bridge. How are we doing, guys? Doing good? Come on, smile for me. Doesn't it feel good? So we're kicking off a new series today, obviously in the Christmas season. We're calling it The Best Christmas Gifts. So can we start with a little survey today? Can we just kick off a little survey? How many of you, I'll give you both and then you can tell me, how many of you prefer to be surprised by your Christmas gifts? And how many of you prefer to give them, your loved ones, a list and, and, and you want to pick from the list? So how many, of the, how many surprised people are there among us? God bless that hand. I see that hand. How many list people are there? Who won? I don't know who won, but it's always fun to get into that thing. I'm a surprise person. I married a list person. Does that surprise any of you? And all the married people in the room said, isn't that the way it goes? That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is, right? So I got a special thing for you to pay attention to before we get into message time. Uh, for real, did everybody get your packet this morning that the uh, ushers were giving out of the door? Get it in your hands if you don't mind. I want to take a second to unpack that for you. There's three different uh, items in your little packet. The first one is I want you to write down the, the list, the, the name of five people uh, who do not go to a church in the area or if they do, then their church doesn't have a Christmas Eve service. I want you to find five people that you're going to invite to Christmas Eve. I want you to write their names on that card and I want you to start praying now that they will come. Okay? We're going to present uh, uh, just Christmas carols and scriptures and song and candlelight, but we are going to present the gospel message that night. And so bring at least five people to the Christmas Eve service, short, sweet service, family-oriented. The kids, at least the older kids will be in the room with us. So bring five families, five people with you that day, okay? Second thing I want you to notice is we've got some just because cards. I know so many of your, your hearts are generous, and you're going to be in Walmart or Target or, or shopping center somewhere, and you're going to run across somebody uh, that you know is struggling to to give their kids Christmas or, or they're, they're, they're struggling with how much they can buy or whatever and the Lord's going to put it on your heart to help them. What I want you to do is give them a just because card when you do. It's just simply a way for them to understand that, that Jesus is the reason for the season and you care because of who Jesus is. So they're in there. And then finally, just simple invitations. Some save the dates for Christmas Eve. Just give those out. These are to go to the five families you're praying for or anybody else, and we'll have plenty more for you in the weeks ahead. We want to pack this house on Christmas Eve night, which I understand falls on December 24th this year. Is that so when it's just, so you know whatever day of the week that is, we're going to do that on Christmas Eve. Actually, the 23rd is Christmas, and we'll have regular messages and services on Sunday morning, the 23rd, and then Christmas Eve services on the 24th. So let's gear up and let's get some people in the house. 
this week. Next week, the kids are going to be leading us in worship, and so we're excited about that too. It's going to be a great season. I know a lot of you have uh, group life. Our, our group is having our Christmas gathering next week, and so we're just having a great time uh, knowing the Lord and knowing each other uh, as we enter into this Christmas season. So we're kicking off a whole new series that we're simply calling The Best Christmas Gifts, whether it's by list or by surprise or both. Uh, The reality is that there are some gifts that are better than others. Can I get an amen in the house? And so what we're going to be talking about is the best ones. If you want to follow along, you can go to the Bridge Bridge Church NC app and download that app if you haven't already. Get that downloaded. Go to Notes. Save it to your journal. You can take notes. You can follow along with all the scriptures that I'm sharing. They'll be on the screens for you as well. But let's capture this thing. During the, these Sundays leading up to Christmas uh, Eve, we're going to be talking about some of the best gifts. We're going to be talking about the gift of joy that transcends happiness. We're going to be talking about the gift of, of peace that can come in spite of difficult circumstances of life. And then we're going to talk about the gift of purpose that sense of purpose that rises us above. Uh, we are just like all the other animals. We are, in fact, created in the image of God. And so I think it's going to be a great series. I'm excited about sharing it with you. But today, uh, I need your prayers because today I'm tackling the most important best gift and the hardest one. And here's one of the reasons that it's so difficult. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his, what is it? indescribable gift. Of course, he's talking about Jesus, and what he said simply is that he's so amazing, so incredible, so stupendous, it's indescribable. And here I am taking on the challenge of describing the indescribable. So pray for me as I do my best to share with you this idea that Jesus is, in fact, the best of the gifts that God gives us. We long for peace. We long for joy. We long for a sense of purpose. But all of those gifts can only be unwrapped after we unwrap the first and most important one. That's the gift of Jesus Christ. So let's get into it. I'm going to give it my best shot. Ready to get into the Christmas story? Luke chapter 2. Again, you can go to the app. You can open up your own Bible. It will be on the screen. So let's read it together. Here we go. At that time, Augustus Caesar set out an order that all people in the countries under Roman rule must list their names in a register. This was the first registration. It was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to their own towns to be registered. So Joseph left Nazareth, a town in Galilee, and went to the town of Bethlehem in Judea, known as the town of David. Joseph went there because he was from the family of David. So everybody tracking with me so far? Maybe a familiar story to most of us, but let's just make sure we're all going together. Joseph is from the family of David. Everybody has to go back to the, to the town of their family's uh, heritage to list, to, get, to do the census thing. And so he and Mary, who's now nine months pregnant, is making their way down uh, to Bethlehem to do this tracking. Not a big deal. You know, 85-mile journey hour-and-a-half drive, Pastor Andy, a 45-minute drive. It was just a simple little trip, you know, unless, of course, you're nine months pregnant riding on a donkey. That's kind of a tough trip, all right? And all the ladies said, amen, and all guys said, we just bow in homage. We don't have a clue, not kidney stones, nothing. We don't know what you ladies have gone through. We just honor you for what you do. I'm convinced that the only reason that Mary and Joseph were able to do what they did is because they knew this baby was special. They understood something amazing was happening that was going to change the world and, in fact, would be God's indescribable gift to the 
world. So let me just give you three things. I told you this is an impossible challenge. Let me give you three things that I think makes Jesus the best gift and makes him almost uh, indescribable. First of all, I think Jesus represents the gift of intimacy. I think all intimacy flows out of an intimacy with God. So let's go back to Acts chapter two, or Luke chapter 2, verse 5 through 7. Joseph registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who is now pregnant. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have the baby, and she gave birth to her first son. Because there are no rooms left in the inn, she wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth and laid him in a box where animals are fed. One of the things that we all love about this season are the lights and the glitter and the colors. Can we appreciate the decorations team at this church who's done a great job of putting all that together for us? And you already heard about the light show that's going to be out here, uh, out here somewhere on the property. You drive up, you'll tune your radio to an FM station. There'll be a sign there, and you can watch the lights as they dance to the music, and there'll be advertisements for the Christmas Eve service in between music. So we're just excited about what's going on around here. We love the lights. We love uh, Christmas wrapping paper. I do a horrible job with that. I'm in awe of Kim when she wraps these things. Sometimes she wraps them so pretty I don't want to open them. No, that's not true. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to get inside. But here's the deal. It's amazing that that's become such a huge part of Christmas for us when, in fact, the first Christmas was kind of bland. I mean, the headline in the Jerusalem Gazette the next day was, nothing happened last night. I mean, it's just kind of this baby's born in a barn and laid in a feeding trough, wrapped in these swaddling clothes, and and it's just this simple kind of thing. You guys that are uh, older than dirt, I mean, as old as me, uh, you, uh, you may remember when Jimmy Carter was president and he went and spent the night with an Iowa farm family, and the media just had a frenzy over that. The most powerful man in the world stated with an ordinary family last night. Well, that ain't nothing. We're talking about the God of the universe came to a barn, and that's where he was born. And so it's amazing when you stop to think about it. One, one writer said it this way. I love the way he wrote it. He said, Jesus took off his scarlet robe and hung it up on the wardrobe of eternity. He bought a ticket at the depot of time, rode the train of nature down the generations, and disembarked at Bethlehem. He cried like a baby, healed people like a physician, fed people like a supermarket, spoke like an orator, and died like a mighty God. He was Jesus. He is God in the flesh. Anybody in love with Jesus in this house today? The question, though, is why did he do that? I mean, most kings would want to show up in a palace and have pomp and circumstance. They want to have a parade. They want some trumpets blowing or something or other. Why did he do that? And I'm convinced the reason that he did it is because nobody's intimidated by a baby, and he came for the express purpose of having an intimate relationship with you. That's why he came. He loves you. And he wanted a relationship with you that was real and personal and intimate. In fact, one of the Old Testament names uh, that would be ascribed to him is Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. Say it with me. God with us. One more time. God with us. That's what Christmas is all about. God is with us. Us, you can condense every part of Christmas into those simple words. Say it with me, God with us. 
most of the decorations that you see focus on the infant child. And I love the, the, the manger scene, the stable that's built out in our lobby. Thank you to Buddy and so many members of the team that put that together. And the little baby that's there, so sweet. We had, saw a little one-month-old baby come in this morning. And we said, what if we put the real baby in there? Well, maybe that's not nice to the baby. But anyway, you, we love to focus on the baby. But hear me, guys, it's not just about a baby. It's about the God of the universe showed up in human space and time to be close to us. And because of that, we can have a real intimate relationship with him. Why is that so important? Because it reminds us that Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not an institution. Christianity is not a list of rules and regulations to live up to. Christianity is a relationship with the God of the universe through his son, Jesus Christ, who came that first Christmas to say, I'm with you you can be with me. It's an intimate, living, breathing, dynamic, ever-changing, ever-growing relationship with the God of the universe. Well, if that ain't the best gift, I don't know what the best gift is. Can I get an amen in the house? So when you reflect this Christmas season on gifts and gift giving and gift receiving, don't forget the best gift is that in the midst of all of this, this represents that we can have an intimate relationship with God himself. The second aspect of this gift that I think is just as important is Jesus represents the gift of hope. In fact, he is the gift of hope. His coming is not just so we could know him. It's so that we could know the hope that he brings to our lives. Let's go back to Luke 10. Verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, again, the scene is probably pretty familiar. If you've seen Charlie Brown's Christmas, you know the scene, you know the setup. Uh, the angels have come. Shepherds are on the hillside watching their sheep. They're the night watchmen for the flocks. And so they're just kind of laid back and lazy. And suddenly a bunch of angels show up in the sky and start singing. And I don't know about you, but it would probably scare me to death. I suspect it did them too. And so the result was not just this kind of fear thing that happened, uh, but the angel said, guys, don't be scared. This is okay. I I've come from God to tell you something really important, and, that, and here's, here's my message. That Messiah, that Savior to the world that you've been praying, your people have been praying for 800 years would come, 400 years with the prophets telling you about him, and then 400 years, as Pastor Jared mentioned this morning, 400 years of silence. It's all coming to an end now because it's time, and the Messiah has come. I can almost see the excitement in their eyes as they start to realize that, in fact, 800 years of prayer is finally being answered today, and hope as a result is coming to the world. Hear me, guys. You understand what that is when you understand uh, what the word Messiah means. It literally means the anointed one. Now, again, that may not have a lot of meaning or depth to you until you understand that Jesus came and when he reached adulthood and was ready to begin his public ministry, one of the first things that he did was to go to the temple and take the podium and quote from Isaiah chapter 61. 
And, and here's what he said. We don't, I don't have it for the screens for you, but here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord, did they get it for me? There we go. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. There's that word anointed. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free. What's he anointed to do? What did the anointed one come to do? Came to give us hope. That even if you're in prison, there's hope. Even if you're in bondage, there's hope. We sang about it. The choir did this morning that because Jesus came, every chain can be broken. There's hope. I know we live in a world where there's so much hopelessness these days. And can I tell you just my own personal opinion on this one? Didn't hear from God on it, but somehow in my spirit, I think the more we relegate Christmas and the coming of God to earth and the hope that he brought, the more we relegate that to just a winter holiday where gift giving and lights and food and all that stuff happens, the more hopelessness will continue to grow in our world because the source of hope is the one who came. If somehow along the way we forget what Christmas is ultimately all about or just in the trappings of it all, we just kind of lose sight of it all, then we lose the hope that he brought in the process. Does it make sense? And so the Messiah has come. The angel called out to the shepherds and said, the Messiah is here, the anointed one. And he said, I've been anointed to bring hope no matter what your circumstance of life is. I can do that. Guys, whatever you're facing today, there's hope because Jesus came. Whatever your circumstance of life, there's hope because Jesus has come. No matter how dark the road looks ahead of you, there's hope because Jesus is here and he's available to you. He brought hope. Okay, Jim, I, I hear you. I hear you. That sounds good. I like the sound of that, but how, how do I know that Jesus is Messiah? I mean, there's an awful lot of people on the planet that believe Jesus was a good man, maybe even a great teacher, but maybe even a prophet of God, but Messiah? I mean, the anointed one, the Savior of the world? How do I know for sure that that's true? Well, let me give you a couple of reasons that I know. One would be, Jared alluded to it already this morning, there's this empirical evidence, this observable evidence, and it perhaps is the most compelling in that sense, is that there are more than 300 prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to who the Messiah would be. 300 things. Jared mentioned a couple of them. Where we would be born, when he would be born, uh, the circumstances of his birth, all those things. 300 plus of those things written hundreds of years before Jesus came, and he fulfilled every one of them. I'll say that again. Jesus fulfilled every one of them. Dr. Peter Stoner from Science Speaks studies these kinds of things, and, and, and he says statistically, track with me. I know numbers are cool for some of you and, and struggle for some of you, so track with me a minute here. He says that the odds that one man could fulfill eight of the 300-plus prophecies are 10 to the 16th power. So if you can imagine a number that is 10 with 16 zeros after it, whatever, however you pronounce that number, that's the odds that one man could fulfill eight of the 300-plus prophecies. Yet Jesus fulfilled all 300 of them. So what are the odds of that? He doesn't try to put a number on it. He, he describes it this way. If you could take a silver dollar and cover the state of Texas, 
I mean the entire state of Texas with silver dollars, and not just one layer through the whole state, but two feet deep. I don't know how many silver dollars that is, but imagine that. You got that picture in your mind? Do you like that you got the picture? Okay. And then if somehow in the midst of all of that, somewhere in the state, you put an X on one of those silver dollars, two, two feet deep spreading over the whole state, and then you pick a volunteer from out of the crowd and blindfold him and say, walk as far as you want, go wherever you want in the state of Texas, find the silver dollar that is marked. The odds of him finding the marked silver dollar are the same as the odds of one man being able to fulfill 300 plus prophecies. And Jesus fulfilled them all. Is he Messiah? Yeah, we know he's Messiah. We do. But we don't just know he's Messiah because the odds say so. Mary and Joseph knew he was Messiah way before they knew he fulfilled the prophecies. We know he's Messiah because he lives in us, because we can see him and feel him and touch him and sense his presence. And if you don't, if you haven't had that experience, I beg you, don't let this Christmas go by without leaning into him and asking him to show himself to you because he is not only born 2,000 years ago, he's here now. And he wants very, very much to have that intimate relationship with you that ultimately brings hope into your life. He is the source of that intimacy. He's the source of that hope. So we know because of the empirical evidence, we know because of our experiential evidence. But here's the bottom line of how I know Jesus is Messiah. Because he said so. <laughs> I mean, and that may sound simple to you. It may even sound weird to you, but here's the reality. The world would have you believe that he was a good man and a good teacher, maybe even a prophet from God, and he was a great teacher, and he was a good man, and Jesus would, would be out there teaching, and uh, thousands of people came to hear what he had to say. I mean, you think megachurch is a new phenomenon? No, 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 no. He would have 5,000 men plus women and children gather on hillsides without microphones, and he would stand up on the hillside so his voice would carry, or he'd get out in a boat so his voice would carry across the water, and they'd fill the seashore, thousands of people, to come hear him teach. And he had wonderful teachings. He taught wonderful things like we ought to be feeding the poor, and we ought to be visiting prisons, and we ought to be taking care of widows and orphans. But right in the middle of one of those phenomenal teachings about how we can make this world a better place, he'd say, um, um, by the way, you, you do know that I'm God. I mean, right in the middle of all that stuff, he would say, I and the Father are one. So hear me, guys. Josh McDowell penned it many years ago. Some of you are familiar with it. But, but here's the bottom line of all of that. If, if he's said he was God, and he's not, then he's not a good man. I mean, if I stood up here right now and said, oh, by the way, I love being your pastor. I am the Messiah. What should you do? Grab your stuff and run, <laughs> right? Because you know I'm either a crazy man or a scary man to say that. So he can't be a good man. He can't be a good teacher because he's already said I'm God. Or he's this amazing con man who went all the way to the cross to preserve his lie. Either way, you have to face the reality that he's either God or he is not. And I'm here to tell you that he is God. That's why it's so painful for so many of us when we live in a culture that wants to convert Christmas 
to the winter holiday. And, and they want to say, you know, can't, you can't say Merry Christmas. Some of you work in environments. You work in, in public service, and, and you've been told by your boss you, you can say Happy Holidays, but you can't say Merry Christmas in your store or wherever it is that you work. I mean, that's the, the, the culture that we live in, and it hurts our hearts when we're told that everybody loves the winter holiday. We love to get a break from work. We love the food and the getting together with stuff. We love the gifts and giving. Business loves the giving season. They start earlier and earlier every year. Even Black Friday starts on Thursday now. I mean, I just love that part of it. But understand, this isn't just about um, giving gifts and eating food. I used to sing with a with a male trio, and we were invited. Uh, to go sing at one of the malls in Hampton Roads one year at Christmas, and uh, uh, and we did, and we we sang several songs, and we took a break. We were about to go back up for our second set, and the the manager of the mall came to me and he said, I, I need to see your set list for the second half. And I said, Why is that? He said, You're just singing a little too much about Jesus. I said, Well, you asked us to come sing for Christmas, didn't you? <laughs> and Christmas is about Jesus, isn't it? And he let us go on, but it was tense because he had this idea. Somehow we were going to come sing about Christmas, but not sing about Jesus. I, I, one of my favorite theologians in the world uh, spoke to that issue. His name's Forrest Gump. And uh, <clears throat> here, here's what Forrest said. If you go to the zoo, always take something with you to feed the animals. Even if the sign says, don't feed the animals, it wasn't the animals that put that sign up. <laughs> Political correctness says, you can't say Merry Christmas. I'm here to tell you, it won't Jesus that put that sign up. It won't Jesus. All right, come on. Here, here's the sign he put up. We've already read it. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Today, your Savior was born in the town of David. He is Christ the Lord. And because he's come, we can have intimacy with God. We can have hope no matter what we face in life. And so I've settled it in my spirit. I suspect that most of you have settled it in your spirits that I want an intimate relationship with God. I want hope to deal with the reality of life and the circumstances of life. And I'm putting my hope, basing my relationship with God in the person of Jesus Christ. Anybody with me on that one? Anybody at all? My hope is built. On nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for the intimacy that we have with God through your coming.
Thank you for the hope that we realize because of who you are. There's a third reason that he is the most important gift, the indescribable gift, and it's the most important of all the reasons we're talking about this morning, <clears throat> and that is simply that Jesus is the gift of eternal life. Jesus is the gift of life. He said, I come to give you life, and that life in all its fullness, not just now, but forever. Yes, the first two, the intimacy with God and the hope to deal with the circumstances of life have to do with life now. He's offering us that to us, but he's also offering us life forever. So let's look at the scriptures, Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That says Jesus is equal to God. He's not associate God. He's not vice president God. Jesus is God. But he laid all of that aside. He gladly removed his uh, royal robes, laid it aside, wrapped himself in humanity, humbled himself all the way to death, the death on the cross. And I know that's the message of Easter, but hear me, guys, you can't separate the wooden manger from the wooden cross because that's why he came. He knew what he was doing when he came. The scriptures say that he was slain before the foundations of the world. He knew why he was coming. He had purpose and meaning in his coming. We'll talk more about purpose later in the series, but for now understand his reason for coming was to give you and you and you and me eternal life so that we can have life throughout eternity with him. That's why one of the most important prophecies that he fulfilled is in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. It was our sin that nailed him to the cross, not his. He didn't have any. It was our sin that put him there, that, that made him endure the cat of nine tails that beat him to the point of death, not his sin. He didn't have any. It was our sin that did that to him. That's why he came. And who is that we're talking about? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What does all mean in the Bible? It means all. It means you. It means me. It means us. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He died the death that we deserve so that we could have the life that he came to give us. I... Uh, some of you know I love carpentry and, and done a good bit over the years, never as a, as a full-time career, but uh, professionally sometimes, unprofessionally a lot of times. But uh, one time I was working on a project at my house, and I had a, a long, like a 10-foot, uh, 1 by 12, and I picked it up out of my truck, and I was turning it around to go into my little shop, and when I turned around, it was longer than I realized, and I hit the... Uh, the edge of the house with the board. I don't know if you've ever done that kind of thing before. But when the board hit the house, it stopped moving, but my momentum, I didn't. And so my hand slid forward on the board. And, and, and what happened was a, a splitter, uh, like two toothpick-sized splitter, uh, went into the side of my little finger. I don't know if you can see that on the screens, but into the side of my little finger, and it came out the other side of my little finger, and, and it was sticking out both sides of my little finger. And I'm standing here looking at it going, 
oh, that hurts. Uh, I said some Christian cuss words. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, uh, <clears throat> and I tried to pull it out, and it wouldn't go. And so I got a pair of pliers, and I tried to pull it out, and it wouldn't go. And so I thought, well, maybe I can pull it all, the rest on through. So I got a pair of pliers, and I tried to pull it on through, and it wouldn't go. And I wound up breaking it off inside my little finger. I'm telling you the truth. Broke off in my, my little finger. And so for the next three weeks, my little finger was so swollen, I couldn't even shake hands with people, you know, on Sunday mornings. I'd see somebody, I'm sorry, I can't shake hands because my finger's swollen up. Eventually, it, it worked its way out, and it popped out through the top of my little finger. It just kind of rose to the surface and came out. It was just amazing. But you know the reason I told you that story? Because I just love to watch you squirm. That's the reason I told you the story. <laughs> it occurred to me during that time that um, there are times when I hear a preacher talking about Jesus was scourged, beaten, uh, nailed to a cross, and I don't cringe. I don't immediately go, ooh. I don't know if that's true for you, but hear me. Jesus didn't die by an accidental splinter. It was intentional. He did it on purpose because we were separated by, from a holy God by our own sinfulness. And the only way to close that gap was for somebody to pay the price. He died the death that our sin earned in order that we could have the life that God gave us, wanted us to have, and the intimacy and the hope that comes from it. So please, during this Christmas season, <laughs> By all means, focus on the baby. Focus on the nativities and all. We love all those things. But don't ever forget what Jesus went through in order for you to have intimacy and hope and ultimately to have eternal life. He humbled himself from glory to humanity, from the cradle to the cross for you. Kind of keep that in your mind in whatever you do this season. Jesus is the gift of the world to you and me, to everybody we know and love, to everybody on the planet, wherever they happen to be right now, he came as a gift of intimacy, a gift of hope, a gift of life and life eternity. But those gifts are only available to us if we open them. You have to decide to open that gift and to receive it yourself. For the next few Sundays, we're going to be talking about <coughs> the gift of joy and, and of peace and of purpose, but you have to open those gifts, and none of those gifts are available until you open the one we're talking about today, or you decide that you're going to let Jesus be the bridge to your intimacy with God. You're going to believe that he will bring hope to your life, and you will accept the life that he's given you, knowing that it is the best life possible None of that other stuff means anything until you accept this gift. And I'm begging you this morning, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, that you will let it become real again. Maybe for some of you, you, may, you opened this gift many, many years ago, and it's kind of come routine for you. And I'm begging you to not let it be routine this year. Remember what he, what he did for you and what he paid for you to have that intimacy and hope and life. Keep it in mind. And for those of you that haven't opened the gift, please don't leave this room till you do. Some of you know we're, we're in the process of building a house, and, and so we've had a lot of different contractors and subcontractors coming through. And I got into a conversation with a roofer the other day, 
And uh, in the course of the conversation, uh, we started talking about uh, the Lord. I know it's hard for you to believe I'm such a shy guy, but somehow I managed to get the conversation. And, uh, and he told me he had come through rehab, and he didn't realize when he went through rehab that it was a Christian-based rehab. And at the end of this rehab uh, program, they presented Christ to him, and they read the Scriptures. And he said, ah, you know, I really thought about it. I, I believe what that man was telling me, but, I, you know, I'm just not ready to give my life to Jesus, he said. He said, now, I've been home now for a while, and, and I'm still sober, and I'm doing pretty good. It's hard. I'm, it's hard, but, but, uh, but, but I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good. And I said, well, you know, the reason it's hard is because you're trying to do it in your own strength. Jesus came to give you the strength to do this. He gave you the, 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 the hope and the, and the power and the ability to do this. So, you, you, you know, if you're ready, man, we can pray right now, right here on this job site. He said, I'm just not ready. I said, well, what are you waiting for? I'm just not there. And I decided not to press, felt in the spirit I shouldn't press him anymore. So I tell you what, let's exchange cell phone numbers. And when you're ready, you need to call me. And he said, I promise you I will call you when I'm ready. I said, don't wait because there is life on the other side of unwrapping this gift. If you haven't unwrapped your gift, would you do it today? If you haven't accepted Christ or maybe it's become routine, maybe it's time to do it again to renew that commitment to him, would you do it today? Let me put it another way. We like to talk about, you know, what are we going to give? What are we going to get? What do you want for Christmas? We like to talk about all this stuff. But the reality is it's his birthday, not ours. So the question is, what are we giving him? Uh, well, what do you give the guy who has everything? <laughs> he doesn't have everything. He doesn't have your heart unless you've given it to him. Let's give it to him this morning. You with me? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming. And all that that involves, just a glimpse into this indescribable gift today. There's so much more in the coming of Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming, Lord. Thank you for reminding us this morning that you are the reason for this season that we need to make sure that we're unwrapping the gift of intimacy and hope and purpose and joy and peace and all those things all the stuff that you bring that we're unwrapping that gift and accepting that gift but at the end of the day we need to remember what gift we're giving you the only thing you really want and need is our hearts so see us, hear us, as we pray. Guys, would you pray with me? You can pray silently or aloud, I don't care. Make it your own words if you want, but would you pray this prayer with me? Thank you for coming, Jesus. Would you make that real to me right now? On a heartfelt level, not just a head level, but a heart level? I don't want to believe that you are God because of statistical probabilities as compelling as they are. I want to know that you're God because I know you. Because I've opened your gift of eternal life. So forgive me of my sin and give me a fresh start. Come to the center of my life now as I live this life out. 
so that I can have the other gifts that you offer, but also so that I can help others to receive the gift that you came to give them as well. And I thank you in advance for the hope and the intimacy and the life and the peace and the joy and the sense of purpose that will come simply because I gave you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, this may well be the best Christmas you've ever had. And I hope you'll let me know. We've got a 21st century way for you to obey Romans chapter 10 where it says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Just text me right now. Just text New Life to 55498. Let me know so I can pray for you this week. Okay, we want to know you've committed your life to Jesus Christ. We want to know that the, the journey is ahead of you. We want to help you in that journey. For all of us, I hope this is a renewal, a refresher to remember that Jesus is the reason for the season, okay? Father, thank you for the chance to be together. I pray blessing over this group as they make their way out into the world, particularly in this Christmas season. Keep them safe. Use them for your glory as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, and let this Christmas be the most joyous of all. In your name we pray, and all God's people said amen, amen. God bless you guys. See you next Sunday. It's going to be a great Christmas.